This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Well, thanks for tuning in. We're beginning a new series in 1 Thessalonians today, uh, 1 Thessalonians. So uh, before we get to the actual content of the letter, I want to take a moment to go back to the book of Acts and get a little bit of background on Thessalonica and the folks who uh, would come to make up this local church um, that Paul's writing to. So that's Acts chapter 17, and I'll just read the first few verses here, that when they had traveled through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And according to Paul's custom, he visited them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead, saying, This Jesus whom I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks and a significant number of the leading women. But the Jews, becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. And they attacked the house of Jason and uh, were seeking to bring them out to the people. And when they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have upset the world have come here also. And Jason has welcomed them. And they all act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And they stirred up the crowd and the city authorities who heard these things. And when they had received a pledge from Jason and the others, they released them. And so the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Uh, so things pretty rough in Thessalonica, which you know was for the most part, I think, how it was for Paul and company everywhere they went as they preached. They were many times chased out of out of cities uh, by what happens here. Similar circumstances, a, a mob is formed, uh, civil authorities get involved, and and they're run out of town. In Paul's day, Thessalonica was the capital of the region of Macedonia. So you're probably aware that in ancient times you have this these several Greek regions, but primarily what we find in the New Testament, Paul's travel centered around Macedonia and Achaia. And it was a, a seaport, so very big trading center. And it was also along the main road, um, the Ignatius Way, I think is what it was called. But at, at any rate, it was very populous, very busy, a uh, big cross-section of people, Greeks, Romans. Obviously, there's Jews there who, um, you know, Paul goes to the synagogue and and some of them become believers and followers of Christ, and others become his enemies and uh, persecute Paul. So they, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, when Luke says at the top of the chapter that they've passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they're coming now to Thessalonica, the they is Paul, Silas, and Timothy. So they're traveling together, and this is around 50 AD. So they've come from Philippi, which you remember in Acts chapter 16, they go there because Paul has a vision, right? He's about to go to Asia, but he has this vision of a Macedonian man <clears throat> calling him, and and he understands that God is saying, go to Macedonia, and Philippi is the first city they come to. They preach and convert many people there, and then they're run out of that town, and so now they're in Thessalonica. And just as he did... As he traveled to many places, he would start with the Jewish population. So he would make contact with a Jewish synagogue 
and he would begin preaching the gospel. And in this case, it says there three weeks uh, every Sabbath they they listened to him. He was reasoning from the scriptures. He was explaining, giving evidence. Luke says that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. Uh, and some of the Jews, and not just Jews, but God-fearing Gentiles as well, perhaps proselytes to to Judaism, um, who had an interest in spiritual things, they're listening, <clears throat> and they believe also. And then Luke adds, not a few of the leading, leading women. Uh, so how long Paul remained in Thessalonica is is uncertain. You know, there's at least those three weeks that he was there. Uh, but he had time to teach and convert uh, idolatrous Gentiles, uh, as well as these proselytes that are mentioned here, because he will mention when we get to 1 Thessalonians 1, uh, he'll, he will mention some of those members of the church came out of idolatry. Uh, so uh, not just God-fearing or God-worshiping Gentiles, but also those who were... Uh, given titles. And on more than one occasion, he uh, received material support from the brethren in Philippi during his stay. So when he writes to the, the Philippian church, uh, he'll make mention of that, that as he came to Macedonia, you know, Philippi was the first church um, that was established in Macedonia, right? He, that, that was the first city he came to. And so as he's making his way through Thessalonica and Berea and other parts of Macedonia, Apparently, the church in Philippi was sending him support um, along the way. So he was there long enough in Thessalonica. The point is he was there long enough to receive that support. He worked night and day uh, in either making tents, as he was trained to do, and as he did in Corinth um, for for a while, or in some other trade with Silas and Timothy. Uh, he did that long enough to support himself financially because he mentions that also in the first Thessalonian letter, letter, excuse me, as he's writing to those brethren that he didn't become a burden to them, but he was working night and day to support himself. And I think that we can safely infer that this church, when it, when, as people began believing and obviously they're being persecuted, it's likely that they assembled in Jason's house uh, because that's where the, they knew to come looking for Paul and Silas and Timothy. That's, that that's who they were there for, but they, weren't there at that time uh, that the mob formed. And so that's why they take Jason and they persecute him and, and uh, take money, take money from him, uh, receive a pledge from him, a uh, pledge in the sense of like an uh, honorarium or deposit or something like this. Uh, so, uh, and so as time moves forward, uh, you know, he's Jason's granted release and, and the church realizes you know, but Paul is under threat, and so they send they send him away to Berea at night, verses nine and ten. Um, so Paul is he's he's gone now, but obviously the brethren still remain in Thessalonica, and they're still in the midst of all those people uh, who were uh, persecuting them. and And when we read First Thessalonians, we're going to see that that church there continued to suffer persecution not only from Jews. Uh, but also Gentiles who were under Jewish influence in chapter 2 and verse 14. And then again, Paul brings that up in the second Thessalonian letter. And so Paul will describe that persecution as a test um, or testing for the church in chapter 3, verses 4 and 5 of First Thessalonians. And so uh, uh, one of the big reasons he's writing to this church in Thessalonica 
is because he is concerned. He knows the situation there. He knows uh, there was a lot of enemies uh, who were continuing to rain down blows on these people any way that they could. And so he's he's wanting to encourage them and he's wanting to reassure them that this is this is par for the course. This is actually by design and part of the plan that God's people be persecuted. And so as Paul, Silas, and Timothy, you know, they Berea, where they go next, is about 40 miles to the west. And again, they're teaching and preaching. And and this is, if you continue reading, this is a commentary on just how uh, aggressive the these persecutors were. They follow Paul to, the, the, the Thessalonian Jews follow Paul to Berea. Right, they get they get word that he's preaching in Berea, and they go and they track him down there, and they incite another mob, and they force Paul to flee uh, yet again. Uh, but a church is established in in Berea. Um, you know that well known text that the Bereans were more noble minded than those in Thessalonica, and received the word with great eagerness. But um, at, at that point in time, Silas and Timothy. Uh, they stay behind. So Paul, it's just Paul who leaves, evidently. And he makes his way to Athens by the end of um, or middle of chapter 17. And then, the, you know, the rest of chapter 17, he's preaching in Athens. But once Paul is there, he sends word to Silas and Timothy uh, to come to him immediately. And so uh, when he is writing to Thessalonica, he says, he mentions that event in, cha- in chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. He, he says, when, uh, for instance, his words are, I could, I could bear it no longer. Right? So he's so concerned about the situation in Thessalonica. He knows that those persecutors were willing to chase him 40 miles away to another city, find him, and incite another mob that it, you know, it must be difficult for his brethren there in Thessalonica. So he says, when I could bear it no longer... I sent Timothy um, from Athens. So by that point, Silas and Timothy had joined him in Athens. And he's sending Timothy back now to Thessalonica to establish and exhort the church, he says, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. So at some point within the following 18 months, uh, you know, 51, 52 AD, in Acts 18, Timothy rejoins Paul in Corinth with encouraging news about what's going on in Thessalonica. They had continued in faithfulness, and so this is why Paul is commending them, and they're, pre- they're preaching the gospel, they're bearing up under this persecution. And also Timothy informs Paul that they're longing to see him again. Um, and there are also some questions that needed answering. Uh, there were issues that Timothy discovered that needed to be addressed. And so in response to all of that, Paul writes the letter that we call First Thessalonians. And the prominent theme with with really within both first and second Thessalonians is the return of Christ. Uh, it's mentioned in every chapter. The coming of Jesus is mentioned in every chapter of First Thessalonians, chapter one and verse ten, chapter two, nineteen and twenty, chapter three, verse thirteen, and then chapter four, verses thirteen through eighteen. There's that elaborate description of what's going to happen when Jesus returns. And then again, in chapter five, predominantly. Um, So in in every case, there's this assurance that he is returning. And then there's an exhortation based on that reality. Um, Jesus is returning and you need to live your life grounded in that reality. 
of who he is, what he taught, and that he is going to hold every man accountable. Uh, so don't so don't give up, right? That's the that's the gist of the the exhortation. And so Paul talks a great deal about the wrath of God, uh, not only as a consequence for unfaithful Christians, you know, who who turn who cave to persecution, uh, but also the wrath of God that's coming as uh, uh, justice, as a reckoning for the world, uh, for the persecutors, uh, for for all those who don't obey the gospel. But especially Paul singles out those who are uh, attacking God's people, who are enemies of his people. Uh, so that's a predominant theme, uh, faith, hope, love, and holiness. Um, he, obviously, Paul spends a great deal of time in all of his letters talking about those things. But as he's exhorting these brethren here, he's saying that really this is the only acceptable response to Jesus's death, resurrection, and return is to continuing, continue in the hope of heaven, continue in faithfulness to him, love, love one another, um, just as you're doing. That's one of the things he actually commends them for. Remember, he says, as to love of the brethren, you have no need for me to further instruct you, but I'll, you know, but he says, I'll say this, excel still more, uh, excel still more. Um, Christians are called and chosen on the basis of their obedience and continued faithfulness to the gospel. Very important point that he makes in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, 4, and 5, and then again in 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 14. Uh, so he's, he's, he's commending them, he's exhorting them, but at the same time, he doesn't want Christians to live under any illusion of once you've been saved, you'll always be saved. But your salvation in Christ is contingent upon your faithfulness to Him. He's going to be true to His word. We have no concern over that. Um, the concern that we should have uh, is our own weakness and fallibility, and we need to be honest about that and address that. And that's precisely what Paul is doing, and and again is encouraging us to do. And Christians also should be people of joy, despite persecution because we're so richly blessed in Christ um, and know of and, and and know of his imminent return. And so despite the fact that we face all sorts of challenges here and persecutions and, and suffer in various ways, we not only can we, but we should be uh, a joyous people, a, a people of peace and who know the comfort of God because he will be true to his word because he is returning. And we can look forward to that. We know that eventually all pain and suffering will come to an end and we will be received into um, into our eternal home. And so this, this epistle, 1 Thessalonians, can really be divided into two movements. Um, chapters 1 through 3, where you have a lot of commendation and Paul's appreciation for the faithfulness of that church and uh, his assuring them and um, and then and then some instructions. And each movement is bookended with a, a prayer. So he kind of opens with a prayer in chapter one and then another prayer in chapter three. And then as he gets to chapters four and five in the second movement, there's further instruction to holiness and, and growth and um, and more more prayer. And so that's, that's kind of the general layout of the letter and uh, Paul's purpose for writing it, some major themes that he's going to touch upon that we're going to see. And I, I hope that that kind of frames in our mind the historical context of 
First Thessalonians, and I look forward to, to studying it with you. Thanks for tuning in.